Um, with the rest of us, let's open up to Matthew chapter 28. <laughs> Don't worry, one day soon. <laughs> On December 31st, 2023, it was an epic monument. We finished our eight or 20 month journey through the book of Matthew. And Jesus in, in finishes it in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Before he ascends into heaven, Jesus simply told his followers in verse 19 of chapter 28, go and make disciples of all nations. Go make disciples of all nations. Until Jesus returns, that is the standing mission that Jesus has given his church. And by church, that is all who believe in Jesus. We are not the building. We are the body. Amen. Although we are technically his building in whom the spirit dwells. But this is called the great commission. He's commissioning us. It's not the great option. <laughs> it's not the great suggestion as someone has said. It's, it's the great commission. The Lord Jesus, the head of the church, has called us to this awesome partnership with him. And so every new creation in Jesus is now called to partner with him to go and do what he did to you. Make disciples. We're to continue what he began and modeled. And as we've been looking at this command over the past, what, five, six weeks now, uh, by now we should all have a better understanding of what Jesus is asking us. I'm going to repeat it again because I don't know about you, but I need re repetition. It helps me learn. The Great Commission, first, go. Go into all the world. That means go to the lost people around us, the people who don't know Jesus. We're to go to them. Just as Jesus left heaven and came to us, so we're to leave and to go. Does that make sense? Secondly, the command is not just to go to them. It's to preach the gospel with those who don't believe. And so, Jesus didn't just go Matthew 4 23 said he did a lot of things, but among that he went proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. We are to be people who continue his mission of proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ to those who don't believe. And thirdly, when people do believe Jesus commands us to then do something, we baptize and we make disciples Baptism is that Christian kind of right of interest, so to speak, a right that, that God has given us that symbolizes his new birth. It's an outward symbol of a spiritual reality. When we go into the water and we come up, it's, it's a picture of his death and resurrection and our being one with him. Our old life is gone. And now we have new life in Jesus Christ. And so we are called to go and baptize. Everyone who says that they believe in Jesus should be baptized. If you haven't believed yet, I want to encourage you. Let's get you baptized. Amen. And we'll provide an opportunity and a class for that coming up here soon. And so there's a great opportunity for you to obey Jesus in that public step of faith. But not only to baptize people, it's to teach. Jesus says, I want you to go, I want you to preach, and then I want you to baptize and teach. Teach believers how to obey. And so we, see that, we saw that with Jesus. Those who believed in him were baptized. And then he spent time teaching his disciples. He taught them how to obey. And we read all that about that in the Gospels. We went through Matthew and all of his teachings and all of that. 
And then we actually see the disciples continue on that teaching. That's the epistles in the new Testament, all the letters they're teaching the churches, how to obey Jesus Christ. And then the ones that were the leadership after that were called to then teach. And not only that, the, the proclamation of each one of us has a responsibility to edify one another in the truth, teaching one another in Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and all this that the Lord has for us. And so too, as believers, we're to be baptized and we're to baptize and we're also to teach. And so the great commission simply go right. Preach the gospel. When they come to Christ, teach them how to obey. That means you model it and you explain it. And we all have various levels of gifting and all that, but that's what we are to be about as a body. Amen. That's our mission. And we all have wonderful parts in that. Um, and so this is our mission from our Lord to go and make disciples of all nations. He has an outward heart. He has a heart that looks not just inward. He cares about us, but he wants that love to flow out to the world around us that they might be a part of his kingdom. Do we have that heart or are we just satisfied of going? Yeah, I'm in. I like going to church and see you later, you know? That's, that's not his spirit. His spirit says, come. And he has the call that goes out. Come to me. Come. He wants the world to come to him. And, and guess what? You and I, we are the ones who are to go and to make that call clear and to live it out before a broken world and to woo them to Christ. The Holy Spirit does that in and through us. And by the way, this is really important to think. As we look at this command, it seems pretty daunting, doesn't it? Yeah. I want you to go. It's like, ah, into all the world. Okay. What's that look like? Okay, great. And I want you to preach the gospel, actually communicate the gospel. Oh boy. <laughs> communicate the gospel. And then when they come to Christ, I want you to teach them. Oh, how to obey me. Well, uh, anybody have kind of, yes, me too. But listen, this is a supernatural command with a supernatural calling. And by the way, God is not expecting you. Actually, you cannot accomplish this in the power of your own strength. It is absolutely impossible. This is something that God needs to be doing. And by the way, he's the one who instigated it. <laughs> That's a great word. He's the one who initiated it. He's calling you into his plan that you might be a part of what he's doing. And guess what? He, what he calls you to, he will empower you to do. Isn't that great? Nothing like walking up to a job site and go build this skyscraper. Uh, have a nice day. And then you have no tools. You have nothing. No, God is giving you the power, the dunamis, everything that you need in him to do what he's called you to do. And this power that we need is given to each and every believer through the indwelling Holy spirit, the spirit of God, the spirit of Christ that lives within each believer. And so last week we began by looking at the apostles and how they received the power to witness on that day of Pentecost. We saw first of all, that Jesus between his resurrection and his ascension called them to go and make disciples, obviously Matthew 28, right? 19, the great commission. Hey, I want you. And by the way, all those that were listening, these other believers, I want you to go make disciples. All right. Awesome. We're going to go make disciples. Woo. He's alive. We're going to do it. However, there was a catch for them. What did he say to them? You got to read the full story, Matthew 24, 48 through 49. I'll read it for you. 
You are witnesses of these things. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says, you're witnesses of these things. The prophetic, uh, the prophecies being fulfilled about his death and resurrection. You're witnesses of these things. And behold, I'm sending the promise of my father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Interesting. He told them to go, but then he told them before he says, before you go, I want you to wait. You're to be my witnesses, but you're to wait until you are clothed with power from on high. Right? In other words, although they were eyewitnesses of Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, they had all the facts. They knew the truth. They were still lacking something. Or more accurately, someone. Right? <laughs> Jesus tells them that they needed to be clothed with power. And we talked about last week. Okay, Bible scholars, that word power is what? Dunamis, which is what? Similar to dynamite. He want, God says, wait until I clothe you with dunamis. Power. The power to communicate what you are a witness of. And if there's one thing I think that I lack quite often, or we lack quite often, is that power, that dynamic that we see in the new Testament. What is that? Well, that's him. That's the spirit of God in the believer. They needed the supernatural power to witness. They needed him big time. And so do we. And so we saw last week in acts one verse eight, this is Luke's continuing here. Acts one, eight, again, the command for them to wait for the Holy spirit to empower them. Read uh, acts one, eight. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus clearly told them, you're going to be my witnesses, but you're going to have the power to witness when you receive the Holy Spirit, when you're clothed with his power, you are going to be able to communicate that as a result of that power. You would be his witnesses by the word. The name witness is martyria, which sounds like the word martyr, because that's the idea. The word witness became because, because of the new Testament witness, the word martyria became associated with the word martyr. They died because their witness was so bold, so powerful in the, in the face of such opposition like Jesus, that many people died for being that witness. In other words, that's the kind of witness that was in them and who they were. It was a witness that would testify of the truth, no matter what. That's pretty awesome. And he says, you'll start in Jerusalem. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, then in Judea and then Samaria. And then the uttermost parts of the earth, you'll be my witnesses in your home. You'll be my witnesses in the street. You'll be my witnesses in Walla Walla in Waitsburg. And wherever it, and you know, you just keep working your way out. God will start with you where you are and work his way out with you. You'll be my witness. That's awesome stuff. So church, the mission that Jesus has called us to is a supernatural mission. So can you just get in my head? In any, uh, get it. Can you just get it in my head? Yes. Can you understand with me? <laughs> I don't think anybody can get it in my head. Anyways, we would have an understanding. This is impossible. You say this is impossible. It's impossible. 
I feel like it's one of those charismatic moments. Can you say it with me? This is impossible. Woo, this is impossible. Okay. So, yes. But God has given us the possibility. Not only the possibility, the probability, and, and it's going to happen through the power of the Holy Spirit working in an empty, broken vessel. How awesome is that? God is strong in our weakness. I love that. But just as the Lord told his disciples to wait until you are clothed with power before you go. By the way, that was a unique moment there. I don't want to sit there and say that is what we experience, but just in similarly, as God said, listen, you need something before you go. So too, I think we need to be clothed with his power so that we might be those powerful witnesses of Jesus, that we might be those dynamic witnesses of Jesus. Are you clothed with the power of the Holy Spirit in your witness? Let me ask you to yes or no in your heart right now. The answer is yes. Praise God. Amen. If you know what that is and you know how that is in your life, praise God. I'm rejoicing with you. If not, then let's grow together. Amen. Let's seek him and let's ask. Let's knock. It's not something he wants to hide from us or something we have to work up in order to get. It's he's ours. We're his. He's in us. And I want to explain that a little further, but I want to talk to you this morning about what it looks like to be filled with the spirit and possibly that today or tomorrow, I'm sorry, next week, how that happens, how we are filled with the Holy spirit, how we are clothed with that power within us to be ministers right off the bat. I don't want you to walk away. Number one, one of the misconceptions and I have to clear this up. I don't want you to walk away as believers thinking that you do not have the Holy spirit. If you're a born again, believer in Jesus Christ, I don't want you to walk away thinking that you do not have the Holy spirit because you have been a weak witness because you've failed in your witness. That's not true. Don't connect those dots. Now there is a sense in which if you're not born again, you're not going to be a witness. So that needs to be clear. Away. But if you are a professor, you believe that Jesus is your Lord and savior, you're giving your life to him. He's, you're born again. You have his spirit. You have his spirit. He didn't go, Oh, you know what? I'm only going to, you know, give you a quarter of my spirit. <laughs> you have his spirit. If you've been born again, you have received the spirit. When you first believed and were born again, the spirit of God indwelt you. Okay. So that's important. Actually, it's impossible to be born again apart from the spirit of God, because being born again means that you are born of his spirit. That's who makes you born again. Amen. These, the spirit of God now resides in you. Whereas before faith in Christ, he did not. That is the difference. You have his spirit. You're of his spirit. You are born again, or you're not. You're of the flesh or you're of the spirit. And John three, six, write these verses down. So, you know, in your heart, I have the Holy spirit. John three, six, that which is born of the flesh is what? 
flesh. And guess what? We've all in this room been born of the flesh. Okay. But he says there to Nicodemus and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. That's a different kind of birth. So two different natures, that of the flesh and that of the spirit. When you believe in Christ, you are born of the spirit in his likeness. That is in the likeness of the spirit. Peter said in Acts 2.38, referenced this last week. He said to everybody, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift, the promise, the one that God just gives his kids. He gives himself to us. Isn't that awesome? Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. He's with you, but he's, he's, he's actually going to be in you and, and upon you overflowing is the promise there. So realize that as a believer, you have been given the gift of the Holy spirit. You have the Holy spirit indwelling in you. Romans eight just read the whole chapter. But anyways, Romans eight, seven through nine for lack of time for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God for it does not submit to God. Indeed, it cannot. In other words, those who have not been born again, have just been born naturally. It says your mind is set on the things of the flesh. You can't please God. It's impossible. No matter how spiritual you are, no matter how Jordan Peterson, you are all that kind of stuff, all the stuff he, you know, the spirituality and all that stuff. And it sounds good. It's impossible to please God unless something happens. What is that? He goes, those who are in the flesh as non-believers cannot please God. Verse nine, but you, that's believers, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, he flips it back. That is if you're born again, he's just saying the same thing both ways. Listen, born again, people are, have the spirit. That's who we are. We follow God. In other words, the spirit is proof that you are a believer and is proven through a submitted heart to God. The world doesn't do that. No matter how they spiritualize it. They can't please God. They don't obey God because they don't have a spirit. But believers have a spirit. And by that, we cry out, Abba, Father, and we follow him. Does it mean perfectly? No, we're being sanctified, changed into the image of Christ, but we have a spirit within us. In other words, you're born again, you have the spirit. Several times in Romans 8, Romans 8 speaks of the spirit indwelling believers. And so to be a believer is to be born of the spirit of God. Is everybody on the same page there? You're a believer. You have the spirit of God. Don't let anybody else tell you otherwise that you're missing him. You don't have all of him, all that kind of stuff. It's, it's impossible. It's not in there. It's not in there. I've searched it over and over and over. I think it's important as believers to search the scriptures and become familiar with who is living in us. Who is the Holy spirit? The person in the work of the Holy spirit. And I could spend months my rest of my life teaching through the person and the work of the Holy spirit. And I have in the past, it's really important on the back table. So I've given you a couple of resources because we're not going to get into this morning in the sent in, in the back uh, table there by Scott, uh, by Scott, by Doug, 
I have a, a little question sheet. It's, it's by, you know, got questions and it has a thing. It says who, you know, what the Holy spirit does. And it's a great synopsis of, of all that the Holy spirit does. It's not exhaustive, but it's for you to take home. I've also printed out like four copies of my messages back in, what was it? I have it written down here back in 2014. Uh, where I did a three-week study on the Holy Spirit. Uh, the specific dates were March 30th, April 6th, and April 13th of 2014. Just type in the search. It's only in the audio archives because YouTube wasn't invented yet. No, you know, for us. The audio archive. Go to our website, click on teachings, click on audio, and you can go there and listen to those messages. I've printed out four copies of my notes on that. And also I printed out four copies of my notes on on the gifts of the spirit over there. So anybody wants to grab those, if you want to have those digitally, just contact the office and we'll send them to you. And, and you have to forgive my formatting. It's so I can follow along when I'm teaching, not so that you can understand when you're reading. Um, <clears throat> but the, but I left a few copies there for you. And so you want to know who the Holy spirit, who is it that is residing in us? Listen, the idea is this, that Jesus says, I'm not leaving you with orphans as orphans, I'm leaving. But when I leave, the father is going to send in another place. It says, I will send you the Holy spirit. Well, the, the Holy spirit is the spirit of God, the spirit of Christ, the Holy spirit. He's going to send himself to indwell the believer. Listen, Jesus, the person could only be at one place at one time. But when he ascended, his spirit now comes and lives in believers. And so you have Christ in you. Isn't that amazing? That you actually have Christ, the spirit of God, the spirit of Christ in you, the Holy spirit. And I say that three ways because that's how it's described in scripture. It's interchangeable. And so everyone who has been born again has received the Holy spirit without a doubt. But the question we need to consider as we seek to go and make disciples is, are we filled with the Holy spirit? I know it sounds like a contradictory statement there, but are we filled with the spirit so that we, we may be those bold and powerful witnesses. Are you filled with the spirit? Am I filled with the Holy spirit? And let me phrase it like this. Are we filled with the Holy spirit? Not in the sense that he is not in us and we need to go get him or conjure him, or call him down, but rather in the sense is, does he have all of us? Make sense? Does he have all of us? Are, are we giving him full control of our lives so that he is unencumbered, unhindered, ungrieved? Does the spirit of Christ have possession of us? Or are we full of something else? You know what I mean? And this is what we see modeled in the New Testament. We see men who were empty vessels that the Lord could fill and use and direct, not perfect. And we see how God brought them from selfishness to emptiness. And we saw how God continued to teach them as they went. But they were submitted and they were seeking. They were empty vessels and God filled them. I found, I, there's a power that is in that when you are dependent upon God, when you are hungering and thirsting for righteousness and he fills you 
God resists the proud, but it gives grace to the humble. These are the people that God tends to work through. He can do whatever he wants, but I mean, humble, meek, empty, broken, desperate for him, knowing that he is everything. Knowing that I cannot do this, but through, I can do all things through you, Lord, you, you can empower me to do this. I'm looking at this bridge. That's too far for me to jump, but you know what? You, you can connect it. You can make me uh, have the ability to speak. You can make me communicate in such a way that is dynamic and powerful, even though it's just my words. You know what I'm saying? If there's a, it's Christ in us. It's him. And the, in the, and the killer is pride. The killer is me. The killer is my ego and selfishness. What gets in the way. I think it's what I see. So just really quickly look with me at examples of our brothers. And there are examples of brothers here in the new Testament who were filled with the spirit of God and the impact of their witness through the Holy spirit within them. We want to look at biblical examples of what it looks like to be filled with the Holy spirit. So that we're not, so we just see the dynamic there of what we're talking about. Last week. So we saw the example of Peter before before being filled with the Holy spirit. And what happened? Failure. He wanted to, he knew the information he failed. Didn't have it in him. And what we see here in acts two and three is Peter, after being filled with the spirit on Pentecost and immediately there was a bold witness that welled up within him. He could not help, but share Jesus with the people that he just denied him in front of. And it wasn't that long. It was a period of 50 days. And we long for that in us. That, that we would be a bold witness. And Peter's a great example. Fisherman, right? Guy on the lake, Captain Footmouth, you know, the whole thing. Failure. But you know what? God used broken Peter, our dear brother. To be an encouragement for us of what he can do in such a short time with someone just broken and submitted to the Lord. Just awesome. We saw that and, and he preaches and 3000 people come to the Lord, come to faith in Christ on that day in Acts chapter two. Pretty awesome. Acts three, Peter does it again with the healing of the, just get in your Bibles, open to Acts, please do the discipline with me. Open the, the yeah, or click over whatever you got to do. Conjure up Acts three. <laughs> Can't even say the word anymore. It's like, do you click or turn to, or what are we doing? Manifest Acts three <laughs> with me. <laughs> and just, just peruse the chapter. I mean, but with me, I'm going to kind of just jump through here, but Peter does the same thing. There's a, there's a blind beggar and John and Peter are there. And, and they're walking through and there's this blind beggar says, Hey, you know, give me money. And Peter or John, or I, I don't know which one reaches down and says, Hey, listen, I got, I don't have silver. I don't have gold, 
the name of Jesus Christ, you know, of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And the guy leaps up and he goes running. He's like, I don't have anything that can fix you materially. But what I have is the power of God within me. And he grabs him and he stands up and he goes leaping around. And as a result of this, all these people start gathering. And then he starts preaching as he sees the opportunity to, to share Christ with the crowds. And immediately he does. And 5,000 more come to the Lord. Men, it says. So I don't know how, more, right? Those are the heads of families. So you, you figure out whatever God was doing. It was awesome. And then they get arrested because of it. Look at acts four, one through 13 with me and see the power of their witness in the midst of persecution. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captains of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming preaching, teaching, right? Proclaiming in Jesus, the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day for it was already evening verse four. But many of those who had heard the word believed and the number of the men came to be about 5,000 on the next day, the rulers and the elders and the scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Anas, the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all those who are of the high priest family. And they had all set them in their midst. And they inquired by what power Peter and John, or by what name did you do this? What's your authority? What does verse eight say? Underline. Then Peter filled with the Holy spirit was silent said to them and listen to what he says. Rulers of the people and elders, the ones he just 50 days earlier was around and cowered behind different Peter here. Rulers and people of the elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, who God raised from the dead, by him, this man stands be standing before you well. Whoo! This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you. The builders, which has come, which has become the cornerstone and there is salvation in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which meant uh, by which uh, we must be saved. Right? Excuse me. This is a different Peter. This is the dynamic of the Holy spirit in the life of someone. Boldness. Boldness is an attribute of the Holy spirit, not rudeness, boldness, boldness before the leaders of Israel, testifying of Jesus, pointing people to Jesus in the midst of the supernatural, not themselves. Notice that. Notice that pointing people to Jesus, not themselves, pointing people to Jesus for the reason of the, of the power and the healing that took place. Peter's recalling and quoting prophetic scripture to them. He's got a recall of scripture. The spirit will bring to mind what you should say in that moment. Jesus promised. That's the, 
the Holy Spirit. He will do that with us. Peter's recalling and quoting the Psalm 118. Peter's preaching the death and resurrection. He's preaching the gospel and Peter's preaching salvation. He says, it's through him that all people must be saved. It's through Jesus. You see that? There's a power overflowing from Peter that's supernatural. There's a boldness that is undeniable. Look at verse 13. And now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, notice it's both of them and perceived that they were uneducated common men. They were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. This is not dissing education, all that type of stuff. Just saying these guys are fishermen from Galilee. They recognize there wasn't any training and all this type of stuff. It was that they had been with Jesus. And what was happening is they recognized the boldness, the words, they recognized his spirit within them. That's what they were recognizing, although they couldn't articulate it. And that's what the world will see in us when we are full of the Holy Spirit. When we allow him to just take over our lives and be in, do what he wants to do. And it goes on to say that they warned and threatened them not to preach anymore in his name. And they said, sorry, we got to obey God rather than men. And so they went away rejoicing, went to their friends. And they prayed with the other believers about the opposition they were facing. And when they had finished Acts 4.31, check it out. The place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. They were all filled as they were praying and you can read about the prayer they were praying there. And this is the kind of prayer we should be praying as a church, read that prayer, study that prayer and start praying that prayer, not the words, but the heart of it. We can get into repetition without heart, right? But look at what it's saying and how that glorifies God and say, I want that here. Ask, seek, knock, and you will be filled. Look at Acts 6. We're just going to flip through a couple more examples. Acts 6, another example of those who were filled with the Holy Spirit and were powerful witnesses of Jesus. Acts 6, we've got a situation. The church is, is, is born. There are now Hellenists. Those are Jewish, uh, Jewish believers with a Greek background. And then there's the Jews proper who were just Jewish. They didn't have any Greek background. Well, there, as there is with people, there was some tension because there was favoritism going on. The Jews were getting the, the food distribution. The Jewish widows were getting the food distribution and the Hellenists were feeling left out. And that shouldn't be in the body of Christ. Amen. So what do you do about it? Well, they come to the apostles and the apostles are there. They say, this is what's going on. He goes, okay, this is what I want you to do. I want you to choose seven men from among you. And he gives the qualification among you, meaning believers, they're disciples. They're not just hirelings, all that kind of stuff. They're believers, full of the Holy Spirit, good reputation, all this type of stuff he lays out. And they choose from among them seven. And one of them was Stephen. And what it says about Stephen, and this is to wait tables. And by the way, all these people are Hellenists that get picked. How awesome is that? The body of Christ responds by saying, I'm not going to do 
the Jewish, we're not going to make it even. We're going to totally give the, the side that has the, 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 the grievance. We're going to give them control. And they give them seven men full of the Holy Spirit, all of them of Hellenistic background. What a beautiful gesture. Just love there. Just, there's a lot going on there. But Stephen, full of faith in the Holy Spirit, look at it, verse 5. How so? Luke tells us in verse 8 that he was therefore full of power and did wonders and signs among the people. This is how God manifested himself in the life of Stephen. Might not be how he does it with us, but that's how he did it with Stephen. He was full of the, the, the Spirit. And so God had gifted Stephen in a unique way for his glory in that time. In verse 10, the leaders could not resist the wisdom and the spirit with which he spoke. Notice he was speaking and they couldn't resist it. It was confounding to them and his fullness gave him an extraordinary power for Christ exalting ministry. And Stephen was full of faith in the Holy spirit. He was one of the seven servants in charge of just bread distribution. And look at this guy go. Isn't that awesome? Who's God using? Oh, it's Stephen, the janitor. Praise God. Who will he, who can he use? He could use anyone. And the religious leaders, they couldn't resist the wisdom and the spirit with which he spoke. It got to the point where the Holy spirit was piercing the darkness so much. They were so convicted. Look at verse 57. Just jump down there. What were they doing? Ah, they just had their hands over the ears and they were grinding their teeth and they were just saying, no more of this. We can't handle your light. I'll read Acts, Acts 7, 54 through 60. Read it with me. Now, when they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth. And by the way, the things Stephen gives an epic history lesson. Go read chapter seven. I mean, he is just, schooling them in their own history. It is amazing of, of what he's doing. He's, he's building a case. I mean, this is the guy waiting tables, right? And I say that because the emphasis is on the Holy spirit, right? The emphasis is on the Holy spirit. Now, when they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him, but he, verse 55 says what, but he full of the Holy spirit. They're angry, but he's full of the Holy spirit. And what does he do? He gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand. And he said, behold, I see the heavens open and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. And then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. It's a brutal death. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul, our dear brother, Paul. And they were still, and as they were stoning Stephen, Stephen calls out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Where did he get that from? And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold their sin against them. Where did he get that from? Whose spirit is within Stephen crying these things in the hardest part of his life? The moment of the crushing. Who would dare love their enemies while they're being killed and cry out for their, that he would have mercy on them and forgiveness. When he had said this, he fell asleep. 
first martyr, so to speak, in the church, a waiter of tables full of the Holy Spirit, boldness of speech, recalling scripture, the Spirit through Stephen, Stephen convicting them of sin, righteousness, and the judgment to come. If you read all of Acts 7, you just see that. And even in his last moment, his death, he intercedes for salvation for him. What a beautiful heart. What a beautiful man. What are we admiring in him? Christ. Acts 9, 17. Saul. Jesus comes to Saul, says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? <laughs> Paul is residing over Stephen's execution. Means I think it means he was in charge of it. Could be. He comes face to face with the risen Jesus in Acts 9. Paul is filled with the Holy Spirit as conversion. And as a result, he then immediately goes into Damascus and starts preaching that Jesus Christ is the son of God. This is the guy who is the head of rounding up all the Christians, imprisoning them and killing them or whatever he had to do to stop them. And he would go from city to city, town to town, root them out, find them and do that. And then the Holy, then he's changed by Jesus, receives the Holy spirit and immediately starts to witness of him. He's the son of God and people, it says in nine 22, they were confounded. This is a total 180. From persecuting Christians to proclaiming Christ in Acts 11.24, skipping to another example. Barnabas, it says, was a man described being a good man, full of the Holy Spirit in faith. Listen, it's an attribute. As we look around the church, who do we say? Man, that person is full of the Holy Spirit. What we're trying to describe is they've just, God is just gushing from them. That's what the Lord wants in us and he desires. And he died to do in us and Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. And he happens to be a great encourager, which is another way that the Holy spirit is manifested. He goes to the church in Antioch and he encourages him. Hey man, stay, stay strong. Keep walking after the Lord. And I'm putting a message in his mouth, but you can read there about it. And he does that. And it says there in Acts 11.24 that a large company was added to the Lord. People were added to the church because of him. Isn't that awesome? So Barnabas was an encourager and exhorter of the body. Acts 13.9. Flip over to Acts 13. Paul again. Filled with the Holy Spirit. He, as he speaks to Elimus, the magician, and God gave him the extraordinary a power to pronounce Elimus blind for a season. I mean, I know this is apostolic stuff, but nevertheless, he's full of the Holy spirit. He has discernment about what's going on and he's able to do something about it. It's pretty amazing. And we see by them, these, all these examples that the Holy spirit gives believers power to be a witness of Jesus Christ in a multitude of ways. The same spirit, that was in them is in us as believers. If we are to go and preach and baptize and teach as he commanded us, we, we must be as they were filled with the Holy spirit. The overflowing of the Holy spirit is for each and every single one of you. 
who are his. Each and every single one of you right now. This is why Jesus says, ask, seek, knock. I'll give it to you. I'm not a father who gives you a scorpion when you're asking for bread or whatever it is, right? I'll give you the Holy Spirit. I'll, I, you already have him. What he's saying is, when you're asking, I'll remove those other things and let them overflow. There'll be an anointing in your life. And I don't want to use that in a weird way. There's just a him. Him. Overflowing. And the other things go away. And they see more and more and more of Jesus. And there's a powerful witness. Now, how it is manifested, how he is manifested as far as gifting on our lives is up to him. We know that from 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. But there are some common denominators that the spirit manifests in us. Flip over to Isaiah 11. Isaiah is usually in your middle of your Bible. Close to it. Isaiah 11. When it says that Jesus was, had the fullness of the spirit upon him, this is what it's talking about in Isaiah 11. I'll just read more than I can. Just start in verse one. There should come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. That's from David's father, right? And a branch from his root shall bear fruit. Let's talk about the Messiah. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest on him. Well, okay. Spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The spirit of counsel and of might. Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. That's what happens to a believer when they are full of the Holy Spirit. We so much emphasize the gifts, which are ours as well. But look at the manifestation of God's character. When we look at Jesus, this is who we see. Not only the supernatural, but this is who he is. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, of counsel, of might, of knowledge in the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes on what his ears hear. But with righteousness, he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips, he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness of the belt of his loins. And he goes on about the millennial kingdom and all this type of stuff. But look at this. That's Jesus. You want to have a spirit filled church. That's what we're, we're asking for. God, give me your wisdom, your understanding, your counsel, your might. Give me the fear of the Lord. Lord, make us a people who ooze you to the world around us. Amen. That's what we're longing for. And when we speak the gospel of Jesus Christ, it isn't just information. It's him. And it's him communicating in and through us. And we are one with him in that pursuit. We're partnering with him in it. I love that. 
And so how does this overflowing of the wisdom and understanding and counsel and might and knowledge and fear come about in us? How are we filled with the Holy Spirit? Next week. Lord God. <laughs> we ask for you now. Empty us and fill us with you. Keep your lovely face ever before my eyes. This is my prayer. Make it my strong desire that in my secret heart no other love competes. No rival throne survives, but I serve only you. Just pray for that, for us, God, that you would have all of us. Thank you for taking possession of us. Thank you for all that you are and all that you've promised, Lord. We pray that you would just manifest yourself in this place. That we would glorify you in our witness of you. It's your plan. It's your desire. So we just want to get out of the way regarding our flesh and let your spirit rise up within us. It's a supernatural ask, but you can do all things. So forgive us. Cleanse us and fill us, Lord. We pray for the people that we'll run into this week. Give us the boldness of Jesus Christ as we go. And may they see you. May they hear you. May they come to know you. Thank you so much, Lord, for choosing us, for calling us, for cleaning us. Unworthy, Lord, but we're excited. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God for each of you. And again, uh, resources on the back table. If you need more, please contact. Love you guys. Have a wonderful week in the Lord. Amen.